Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review, part two of our NFC North preview has our host Larry D. breaking bread with Christopher Gates of SB Nation's Daily Norseman to talk about one of the more compelling teams in the division, the Minnesota Vikings. Can Zimmer and company make strides in 2015, or are the playoffs just a fantasy? All of this and so much more on part two of the NFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. are going fast and furious as we get through all of these opponent preview episodes headed into the 2015 season what's going on everybody larity back for part two of the nfc north preview as we continue uh going through the teams of our beloved's home division uh with the minnesota vikings this time around i hope everybody enjoyed my talk with evan western uh, for part one, talking about the Green Bay Packers. Jeremy Reisner from prideofdetroit.com on SB Nation will join us uh, for part three of the uh, previews uh, with the uh, for the Detroit Lions. Uh, that'll be our, our next episode. That'll be up in a few days. So, um, you know, like I said, we're banging everything out and getting all this uh, out there. I hope you guys are I'm not overloading you with information. I'm just trying to get you all that you need to know heading into the uh, 2015 uh, uh, campaign. So, uh, you know, had Chris Gates on, had a good conversation with him talking about the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Um, kind of got off on a little tangent i think some of you might enjoy talking about that brand new stadium that they're going to be opening up in uh in 2016 and uh you know how um that that group of friends you guys have heard me mention from time to time we like to get together and and go on a road trip to one of the bears road games and how when I, the first time i saw that stadium i immediately texted my buddy and said 2016 we're going to minnesota because i got to see this new stadium uh in person so uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh make that happen but uh we did get a little sidetracked towards the end of the interview talking about that uh, brand new stadium. So uh, covered a lot of uh, information uh, with Chris talking about the Vikings and where they're headed. As you heard me say in the open, they're one of the more compelling teams uh, in this division. Year number two under Mike Zimmer, uh, year two under with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. He's had a full offseason. He's going to have a full training camp and such as the starting quarterback. Last year when he got drafted, he was cutting trading reps uh, with uh, Matt Castle. Matt Castle went into the season as the starter and everything. None of that happening this time. And they got Adrian Peterson, who did report to the team during uh, OTAs. So uh, we'll see how that will benefit them. Will Adrian Peterson be the back he was? You know, the monster that he was in 2012 and 2013 uh, before his uh, legal issues sidelined him for all but one game uh, in 2014. So lots to cover with Chris, a lot for you guys to digest. And, uh, you know, we'll get to that here in uh, in just a moment. Uh, we're getting a lot of great feedback from you guys. You guys are enjoying the show, enjoying the guests. Let's me know I'm on the right track with this ambitious idea uh, that I had. Uh, but get ready, because next year. We're talking to everybody. I don't care what I got to do. I'm getting all 13 of these of our opponents on the phone next year. I'm going to do 13 
preview episodes probably have to start a little earlier than june uh you know to get this all uh, banged out in time but uh you know and and i'll try to time it out to where we're doing maybe one a week as we go along or something like that i, I don't know but uh we'll see how maybe that uh that can work out as opposed to basically you have a new show every two or three days for the last week and a half so uh you know it's it's been it's been fun uh keeping me busy for sure and keeping you guys busy uh as well as we get ready training camp is only you know what tw- 20 days away something something like that i mean we're only about three or three three and a half weeks away from training camp starting into the preseason and the beginning of the john fox era for us uh chicago bear fans who are excited uh for that to get underway so without further ado we'll go ahead and turn the microphone over to myself and chris gates as we dive into the minnesota vikings 2014 2015 and beyond All right, and we have Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, dailynorseman.com from SB Nation, uh, here to join us to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Chris, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right, Larry. How about you? Oh, not too bad. Actually, it's tonight where you are, right? Uh, yes, it is. It's uh, just after 9 p.m. over here in, uh, in Deutschland. Deutschland in Germany. Oh, wow. Yes. So, um, so how long have you been with the Daily Norseman? Uh, we went live uh, almost exactly nine years ago. We started out in 2006. I believe the actual date of the first post was, uh, I want to say, July 10th. So, yeah, we've been at it for nine years. It's going to be our 10th actual season of covering the team. So, yeah, we've, we've been at it for a while. How long have you been overseas? Uh, this most recent uh, stint, I've been here in germany for a year and a half and before that i was in uh, korea for 12 months so i'm going on about uh, two and a half years of being overseas here now so you haven't been on home soil in uh, in over two years then uh, only for the few weeks between leaving korea and and getting over here sure, yeah sure sure yep. where are you from originally uh, i am from the great state of north dakota which north dakota. is okay. probably the biggest reasoning for me uh being a fan of the Vikings, geography and whatnot. Right. Uh, I, I'm from a town that wasn't actually big enough to have like a TV affiliate and everything, so we were kind of stuck with what the big stations out of Fargo gave us. And every weekend they gave us Vikings football, so that's uh, that's kind of how I got onto the uh, the bandwagon there. I think. So, who was your favorite player coming up? Uh, I my my all time favorite Viking at this point is still probably Dante Culpepper. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, just because he was such an anomaly when he first came out of college. I mean, the dude was like six foot six and two hundred and seventy pounds, and could run like a guy half his size. And you know, it, he just intrigued the heck out of me for a long time. And you know, since I missed the Tarkenton years, he's pretty much been the best quarterback this team has had uh, since I've been a fan. Whoa. So, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa! Let me mm-hmm. stop you right there because. When I was in, when I was coming up um, after Walter Payton retired in the late '80s, '87 or so, in '88, this guy named Warren Moon came to town with the Houston Oilers, and he beat the Bears in Soldier <laughs> Field. And ever since that game, you know, Warren Moon kind of took over as my favorite player in the league, despite my affiliation to the Bears. And for a mm-hmm. short while, he was your quarterback in Minnesota. He, he was, and he was great in Minnesota and everything. But you know, I. I was, I've kind of, Culpepper is the one guy during my lifetime that the Vikings have drafted with the hope of him being like the long-term answer. By the time Moon got to Minnesota, he was all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. 
and I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Already 41, or I think he was 41 years old by the time he got to Minnesota. So, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be around for a length of time. But, you know, Culpepper was drafted to be the guy. And for a while he was, and then bad things happened, and here we are. Yeah, things changed for him after that knee injury. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Yeah, kind of went downhill for him uh, after that. Okay, so moving on to modern times, uh, the mm-hmm. 2014 Vikings um, got off to a to a rather slow start. Anyway, under first year head coach uh, Mike Zimmer, a longtime assistant uh, in the league, built his reputation as a you know defensive coordinator. Was with the Bengals for a long, long time with Marvin Lewis uh, and had good success there. Um, you know, got off to a, what was like a two and five start. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. was uh, was getting his toes wet uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL and in more North Turner's offense. And then it was things kind of got better as they went along. As I'm looking at your schedule from last year, um, it was like uh, not looking too good those first five games. It's despite your two and three record, mm-hmm. but it's like either either you won by a mile or you got beat by a mile in those first yeah. five games. And then after that, that loss to Green Bay, 42-10, to 10, every game after that, at the very least, seemed competitive, whether it was a win or a loss. It, it was. I mean, the, uh, the game against Detroit at, uh, at TCF, it, it wasn't, I mean, I, I'm, the score was only 17-3, to 3, but it just seemed like the Vikings were never really in that one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, other than that, most of, the, uh, most of the games the rest of the way were uh, relatively close, relatively fun to watch for the most part, and yeah, the uh, the Vikings just got a whole lot better as the season wore on. Bridgewater got a lot better as the season went on, and you know, over the last uh, few weeks of the year, they gave us plenty to look forward to for this uh, upcoming season. I think. Right, and and last year, I mean, what was funny was uh, just before uh, we got started, I was looking at uh, stats and everything. Um, even though you didn't have Adrian Peterson last year, the run game statistically was still the better ha- better half of the offense. You ranked near the bottom in pass offense last year, 28th as opposed mm-hmm. to 14 with the run, despite no Adrian Peterson after the first game of the season. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with North Turner and the way he designs his offense. I mean, nobody thinks that Matt Asiata or Jarek McKinnon are – you know, superstars or anything like that. McKinnon's got a ton of potential, but, you know, he hasn't really done anything in the National Football League yet. But, you know, they had to divide the carries between two guys. They're two completely different backs. Uh, Asiata is obviously the the battering ram. Uh, I believe he was either second or third in the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year, which I don't think anybody would have been able to name given the, uh, the opportunity. Right. And McKinnon is a... Uh, he was an option quarterback in college, but they decided he was going to be a running back with uh, Minnesota, and it took a little bit of adjusting. But until he suffered his injury, he was doing some pretty good things. So, you know, but obviously, if you get a guy like Adrian Peterson, you can put the focus on one guy, not have to swap people in and out. It's that that's going to be pretty beneficial for this offense, I think. Right, and the the passing game was, you know, for for lack of a better term, a disappointment. Uh, mm-hmm. You bring in Teddy. I mean, it was and it was also kind of to be expected with a brand new quarterback. North Turner's complicated offense and numbering system and such uh, being brought in. Um, you know, Cordero Patterson did not have a very good season. He was eventually uh, he was benched at one point during the during the season. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Greg Jennings obviously was not the receiver that you guys were hoping when you signed him away from uh, from Green Bay. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, only 200 yards a game passing uh, last season, 
would probably speak to to why it was that uh, you guys never really lit up the scoreboard all that much last year. No, and that makes that makes sense. But I mean, the the plan originally for the Vikings last season was for Matt Castle to be the primary starter and right. for Bridgewater to be able to sit and learn everything for a year and not have any of that sort of pressure on him. Well, three games into the year, Castle breaks his foot, goes on injured reserve, and all of a sudden you have to go to plan B, and Bridgewater was out there in, uh, against New Orleans at the Superdome and got his first start the next week and performed really well. And, you know, he had a couple of rough games after that. The game against the Lions and the game against the Bills were both pretty uh, rough for him. But, you know, after that, he he played some pretty good football and you know, over the last month of the season, I believe that uh, the folks at Pro Football Focus had him rated as either their number one or number two quarterback over the last uh, five or six weeks of 2014. Right, and you know, it's he was. I mean, I, who knows? You know how how you know it's funny how things play out. You know, mm-hmm. Bridgewater was going to be the number one pick in the draft, going to the Houston uh, Texans last year, and then had a had what many scouts to be considered to be a disastrous type pro day. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, and the Vikings had to trade back into the first round to make him a first round pick at number 32, or else he probably would have been sitting there for in, in, in day two to be a second round choice. But it's almost like he fell in your guys' laps because you were able to make that trade with, um, was, was it New, with New England? No, it was Seattle. Se- it's, oh, it's, it was Seattle. Yeah, okay. because they had won the Super Bowl right, the right, previous right. year. And, you know, well, the, the thing is, I mean, I it blows my mind that all these scouts and people who get paid all this money to watch all this game tape and evaluate all these players do all the Teddy Bridgewater had three years of great game film for, for people to look at. But the bowl game against Florida, uh, his entire junior season, and you know, they have all this tape to look at, and they sit there and watch the guy throw in shorts and a t-shirt for an hour and a half one day at Louisville and you know they just toss that all out the window because he had a bad pro day and I I really don't understand how that happens I'm happy it happened because you know he's looking like the quarterback of the foreseeable future for this team but I don't understand why scouts and coaches will put so much stock into a pro day over like I said three years of pretty outstanding game tape Right. I mean, I, I never I never got a chance to see the pro day or the highlights of, you know, what panicked everybody so much. But you you'd figured that that somebody in the first round would take would have taken a chance on him. And I and, not, you know, not talking about the Vikings having to trade back into the round to get to him, but mm-hmm. that, you know, if he falls into the team, somebody's got to take this guy because of those spectacular years that he had in college. And, you know, basically up until that pro day, he was like consensus at number one. And, and the funniest part about the pro day is that, you know, you read the, the news stories, whatever, and everyone's going, oh, it was a disaster. He looked awful. His draft stock is going to fall. And North Turner was at the pro day and basically said, no, you know, I thought he looked pretty good. And, you know, everyone else thought Norv was crazy because he's Norv. But, yeah, you know, he uh, it turns out that Norv uh, might have been right all along. Back to the, uh, the the running game last year being what it was, and it, I and when I'm sitting in and I'm reading the reports and, you know, I have the NFL magazines, I'm going along and reading things, the, the offensive line uh, was a disappointment last year. Matt Khalil did not play well. You had injuries, uh, th- uh, you know, throughout the, uh, you know, both of your interior linemen were, were down. Phil Lodeholt didn't have a very good year. Um, mm-hmm. And despite that, you were in the top half of the league running uh, the football. But I guess, you know, not having the best offensive line would also speak as to why you guys struggled to throw it as well. No, and Khalil was a disaster for most of last year. He did start coming around during the last three or four weeks of the season, finally. Uh, this uh, this past offseason, he said that uh, his knees finally feel better. He said the past couple of years, he felt like he was playing with the knees of a 50-year-old. And now he says his knees feel as good as they felt in a long time. So hopefully he can get back to form. Uh, yeah, we lost uh, Brandon Fusco the same week we lost Castle. Uh Lodeholt went down with an injury, I think, in either week 10 or 11. And so we're plugging backups in there. And, you know, give credit to guys like Joe Berger and Mike Harris for, you know, stepping in the way they did. But obviously not having that same continuity along the offensive line that we've been used to uh, probably played a pretty significant role in both of those things. 
Well, trust me, as as a Bear fan, I can uh, I can sympathize <laughs> because we didn't we our offensive line, our starting five that played together for every game of 2013, did not play a down together until snap number <laughs> one against Buffalo, and mm-hmm. then halfway through the second quarter of that game, we lost Garza and uh, Slauson, our two our center and our guard, and we were never together for the rest of the season. It was wow. uh, like like with the Vikings, you plug this guy. He plays, and somebody else goes down. We have to put somebody else in. Somebody else comes back healthy. Somebody else goes down. We're plugging, you know, all up and down the line is what that was like last year. So we as Bear fans can definitely sympathize with that uh, musical chairs of offensive linemen that you guys had to go through uh, last year. So um, looking at the uh, looking at the schedule uh, last year, just your your wins and losses in seven and nine is good enough for third uh, in the division. Um, one in five in the NFC North, though, um, mm-hmm. with but you know six and four against the rest of the uh, of the league. You know if you can, you know maybe, you know turn that to three and three or you know God forbid four and two. You guys are a ten win team last year. Yeah, and and we had opportunities last year. I mean the the second game against Green Bay, it was a was a three point game. Uh, the second time they played the Lions was a close one. Uh, the first game against the Bears, it, 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 I don't even know what was going on that afternoon. It was the, the, the game plan was see who Josh Robinson is covering and throw it to them. And, you know, they, they had chances in that one. Uh, they didn't take advantage of the big Harrison Smith interception toward the end of the game. But, you know, like you said, if, if the Vikings get a couple of bounces here and there and can steal a couple more games in the division, uh, this this team is definitely going to be in contention for uh, postseason play this year, barring just a gigantic rash of injuries. And you know it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, division works out this year because Detroit has lost quite a bit uh, up on up front on their defense from a defense that was so good last year. Right. Uh, the Bears are a bit of a in a bit of a transition on defense, yeah. and you know Green Bay is Green Bay, so. We're just going to have to see how everything works out. Yeah, I mean, I, if there is a team in the division that I could say that I'm worried about, it's it's definitely it's the Vikings because, mm-hmm. like you said, Detroit has some questions to answer on the defensive side uh, of the ball. Uh, Green Bay is, like you said, they're Green Bay, and we'll see how they manage uh, on you know defense is going to be their Achilles' heel. Either it's going to win them games or it's going to lose them uh, their football games, and then the Bears. You know, year one of an, a new regime from top to bottom, a brand new defense, tons of new personnel being brought in. It's, you know, there I think the Bears are actually the, the real question mark of the vision because no one really knows what to expect because of the culture of the team being changed from what it was last year with Tressman to what it will be uh, with Fox and, and the, new, uh, the new GM. So if there is a team to worry about in the division, it is it is the Vikings year two with Teddy Bridgewater under the same offensive system that the improvement you guys had on defense last year really makes Minnesota a team to contend with this year. I'd like to think so. I mean, obviously Adrian Peterson coming back is going to be huge, I think. And, you know, the way this defense made the strides they made last year and they, they've sewn up, or I think they've shored up a couple of their, uh, their bigger issues last year with the additions of guys like uh, Eric Kendricks, uh, guys like even Terrence Newman, who's like 800 years old, but uh, Zimmer really likes him and he's shown pretty well in practices so far. But uh, yeah, the the defense is what I'm probably the most excited about for this football team because the, the Vikings used to have a reputation of being a defensive football team and it's been a long time since uh, since they've been able to say that and now I think they're on the uh, the right track to be able to do that. Yes, I remember uh, quite well the um, the late '80s and into the early '90s, where it was, where the Bears and the Vikings were always number one, number two as far as defense mm-hmm. in the NFL. They were constantly going back and forth, switching with who had the number one defense in the league. You know, the days of uh, Chris Dolman and uh, and Millard and and those guys uh, always <laughs> being the tops in the in the NFL and uh, going back and forth with my Bears as to who had the best defense. Uh, in the mm-hmm. league, those were some those were some fun days, uh, for sure. So yeah. you, you touched on on your draft picks there. Eric Kendricks, linebacker from UCLA, he was a second round pick. They're looking to plug him in as the middle linebacker and 
again, be that three-down linebacker in the middle that they've been missing. Then to go along with last year's number one pick, Anthony Barr, also from UCLA, a teammate uh, mm-hmm. of this year's uh, pick. Top pick in the draft for you guys was Trey Waynes, a quarterback from um, Michigan State, probably to offset the fact that you're in the same division with Detroit and Green Bay. And, you know, you also have the Bears with Alshon Jeffrey and this, our number one pick, Kevin White, these tall, mm-hmm. you know, lanky receivers that like to play jump ball uh, with their passes from time to time. So bringing in a guy like Waynes, uh, he's only six feet tall, but he runs a 4-3-40, so he'll be able to <laughs> run with anybody in the division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, like you said, the, the Vikings had some pretty interesting picks uh, this year as far as Waynes is concerned. Uh, I know Mike Zimmer likes to have his cornerbacks play a certain way, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a matter of how quickly Waynes uh, picks everything up. I'm not sure if he's going to start week one. I'm sure he's going to see plenty of time. But, you know, he, he's got some learning to do, and hopefully during uh, camp here he'll be able to do that. Uh, Kendricks is apparently, from everything I've read, uh, picking everything up immediately. Um, he is almost definitely going to be the starter at middle linebacker. He, he's the one rookie that I think is a uh, solid lock uh, to start at this point. Um, guys like Daniil Hunter, uh, I think kind of like – the Vikings did with Scott Crichton last year. Uh, yeah, Crichton might have come out a little too early, but they took him in the third round, and he really didn't see much action. And now that he's gotten the full offseason, apparently he's doing some big things in practices already. And uh, I think the plan for Hunter might be kind of similar uh, at this point for for that because he's kind of raw. But uh, he's he's one of the more intriguing guys that this team drafted as well, I think. I also like your fourth-round pick, uh, T.J. Clemmings, uh, mm-hmm. the offensive tackle from from Pittsburgh. I, uh, you know, I watched him fall in the draft. I like the, you know, I'm a follower of the draft, and I'm sitting there watching and on ESPN and Mel Kiper's big board. Clemmings was near the top for at least for like through the halfway of the second round, and you know, finally, and when he finally got picked in the fourth round for the Vikings, it was kind of like a, you know, well, it's about time kind of thing that somebody mm-hmm. finally took him. Uh, and he landed in you guys' lap in the uh, the fourth round. A, a a higher level talent than where he was drafted, and somebody that could, you could probably plug in or definitely be your swing tackle uh, as a rookie. And he's during the early camps here. He's gotten some time with the tackle spots, but more interesting is he's gotten some time at right guard, along with uh, one of our other draft choices, uh, Tyrus Thompson out of Oklahoma. Uh, the Vikings are moving Brandon Fusco, who missed most of last season, from right guard over to left over to the left side, and so there there's going to be basically an open competition at right guard, and two rookies along with guys like Joe Berger, uh, David Yankee, who also got sort of a redshirt season last year. It's going to be a bit of a free for all to see who gets that uh, that right guard spot at the uh, or for the Vikings between uh, Sullivan and Lodholt. but uh, yeah, that that's. That might be the most intriguing battle of camp for the Vikings, and there's a couple of their rookies that are right in the thick of things. Right, and and to go along with that, you have your your uh, your your new addition on the passing uh, side of things. You got uh, Mike Wallace in a trade with the uh, Miami Dolphins, that hoping that a a a change of scenery uh, for Wallace, who obviously did not work out uh, with the big free agent contract he signed with the Dolphins to get away from Pittsburgh make the trade, only have to give up a fifth-round pick for him, and uh, he comes to Minnesota. Uh, basically, you guys are in a win-win situation. He either does well and, uh, you know, you, you keep him, and he goes forward with the Vikings, or it's the last year of that contract. So if he, if he comes in and it doesn't work out, there's no, basically no, no harm, no foul for the, uh, for the Vikings. No, he, he's essentially on a one-year deal, like you said, and basically – the book on him, from what everything I've seen, was uh, during his time in Miami, uh, Ryan Tannehill is not a great deep ball quarterback, and that's Wallace's strength with all his speed. And uh, Bridgewater, you know, for all the flack he takes about arm strength and whatnot, uh, was apparently very good with the deep ball as far as accuracy, completion percentage, things like that. And if he and Wallace can start making connections early on, that's going to open things up for guys like uh, 
Charles Johnson, guys like Kyle Rudolph, uh, guys like uh, Jarius Wright. But, uh, yeah, he could be a big part of this offense because he's sort of the uh, the Alvin Harper uh, type of guy that Norv Turner likes to have in his offense to uh, kind of take the top off of things. If he can do that for this team, and he should have an opportunity to do with this or do that with this team because of all the focus that's going to be on Adrian Peterson, it's going to be a huge benefit to this team. Right, and where does Cordero Patterson fit into this? I mean, I know that he was he didn't have the best of years. I mean, he has he fallen out of favor, or are they looking for him to bounce back this year? Uh, I think the hope is that he's going to bounce back this year, but you know, with as disastrous as last season was for him, I'm not sure where the guy's going to fit in. Apparently, he's been working his tail off uh, this off season, but you know, like you said, they have Wallace. Uh, Charles Johnson came on pretty strong at the end of last year and obviously has earned himself more playing time and more looks. Uh, Jarius Wright is in a contract year. He always seems to be around the football when big plays happen. And, you know, Patterson has all the talent in the world. And, you know, I don't know if he read too many of his own press clippings last year and started believing his own hype or what the deal was, but... He was such a disappointment last year, and he probably has a lot of work to do to get back into the good graces of uh, Mike Zimmer and North Turner in order to to see that time uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Right now, now coming into the in the off season, you you had this the steady improvement on defense as the year um, went along after the the early road bumps in the beginning of the season, giving up forty points to. Uh, you know, 42 points to Green Bay. You gave up uh, 30 points to New England, uh, and and so on. Uh, I mean, even in a winning effort, you gave up 28 points to the to the Falcons and such. You know, they really started to settle down and everything, and come along there. Coming into the off into the off season, um, you know, the, even before that, the Vikings were looked upon as a team that was on the rise. But then you add Adrian Peterson back into the mix, even after all the drama and the Will they or won't they on trade on draft day? You know, will Pe- Peterson move? And yeah. you know, Rick Spielman sticks to his guns. They're not moving Peterson. Zimmer is adamant about he's either going to play for us or he's not going to play at all. Uh, situation. Adrian Peterson comes back during OTAs, and you know now the Vikings are you know really going to are seriously being looked at as a threat. Uh, you know, as, at at the very least for a wild card spot uh, in the league. You know. Is the optimism there with with the Vikings fans and and everything because Peterson's back? Or are we still skeptical about whether or not you know he's turning thirty? He missed a year last year. You know how how will how ready will he be when the season starts? Uh, well, knowing Adrian Peterson, you know the kind of football player he is, and we can go into off field stuff or whatever. But you know just just the kind of player he's been, the way he's kept himself in shape. I don't think there's going to be any doubt that after a year off, the, the guy's going to be angry. The guy's going to be, I know everyone at this time of the year, the NFL season is in the best shape of their life, but he's probably actually going to be in the best shape of his life uh, by the time he gets to uh, training camp. And, you know, it, it was surprising to see him come back during OTAs, but, you know, Mike Zimmer said at the end of one of the OTA sessions, he dropped the whole, uh, either Adrian Peterson plays for us or he doesn't play for anybody. And, Peterson and his agent after that point decided to stop screwing around and show up at the uh, the team activities. And, you know, I, I think a lot of optimism was there even without uh, Adrian Peterson based on how the team finished last year, uh, how Teddy Bridgewater finished last year, how the, the defense finished last year. And, you know, you just you add Peterson into that mix and the, the expectations have gotten a little higher. I think a lot of people are probably expecting nine or 10 wins this year and at least fighting for a wild card spot until the very end of the year. I, I honestly don't see any reason this team can't go 10 and six and uh, find themselves in the playoffs by the time the, uh, the season gets over. Right. And I got to give uh, credit to, to Zimmer and to Spielman uh, in this game of chicken that they were playing with Peterson and his agent. They didn't blink. And they proceeded through the entire offseason as though they expected Peterson to be a part of the team because you didn't sign a running back in, in free agency, even though there were a few to be had, and you didn't <coughs> draft one on nope. draft day anywhere within because you guys even had a few extra picks this year. You did mm-hmm. not even draft a running back 
as a just in case scenario so that you guys you know looked you know like i said they, they never blinked they they said peter peterson's playing for us or he's playing for nobody and then you know every move that you made told the world that you were expecting peterson to be part of the plans in 2015 mm-hmm. and you know that that's exactly what happened i mean all the and god knows how many arguments we had over this on on the daily norseman people who wanted him gone and, and i'll admit that the first time i heard about what happened and everything i wanted the guy gone and i'm still obviously not pleased with what he did or anything right but you know <clears throat> getting rid of the guy I mean, at this point, looking back on it, getting rid of him would probably have been the whole cutting off your nose to spite your face scenario because the, the guy is worth a lot. He, sh- he should be worth a lot in a trade if you were going to get one. And when apparently nobody was willing to give Rick Spielman what he wanted, he said, all right, we're going to hold on to him. He's our guy and he's under contract to us for the next three years and We've given him a ton of guaranteed money already. There's no need for us to do his deal and guarantee him any further. And, you know, like you said, you got to give credit to Spielman, got to give credit to Zimmer because, you know, they could have folded. They could have redone his contract. They could have traded him to Dallas or Arizona or whoever else was inquiring about it. But they said, no, we're going to continue to build this offense around Adrian Peterson. And lo and behold, like I said, Peterson and his agent decided to stop screwing around and come back to Minnesota and, now, uh, hopefully everything's water under the bridge and we can get back to, uh, to actually concentrating on football and not off-field drama. Right. Now, you know, last year, um, we is uh, part of the NFC North. We got the, the benefit of playing the NFC South as part of the schedule last year. That entire division, top to bottom, was terrible yes, last it was. year. Even the champion of the division had a losing record mm-hmm. uh, last year. Uh, this year, um, the the way that it fell wasn't kind to any of the teams in the NFC North because we got both the NFC West and the AFC West who have been sending multiple teams to the playoffs for the last couple of, uh, of years. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, despite all this optimism and going into the season with where the team is headed, the, is the schedule going to allow the Vikings to benefit from that? Well, I... Obviously, the NFC West, the AFC West, when you think of divisions in the NFL, they're right at the top of the list. Uh, The NFC West, considering the Niners, I think, just had three more players retire during the time we've done this interview. Right. They're not not nearly as scary as they were or as they've been in past seasons. I'm not saying they're not a good team, but, you know, they've lost all that defensive talent and leadership, and they lost Jim Harbaugh to all that drama, and we don't know how— Kaepernick or the rest of the offense is going to react to all this so they're they're still a good football team but they're not nearly as scary as they were Uh, obviously Seattle is Seattle they're the best team in the NFC until someone knocks them off Uh, St. Louis is intriguing but I'm not sold on Nick Foles and if Foles goes down I don't know who's quarterback in that team and Arizona Arizona is one of the more interesting teams too now they get uh, Carson Palmer uh, back so uh, that's going to be interesting, and it's it's pretty bad for Minnesota because they have a uh, four-day stretch where they host Seattle, and then they get to travel to Arizona for a Thursday night game, right? Which is a uh, that's going to be rough, but uh, in a we'll critical part of the season as well. Yeah, like weeks weeks twelve and thirteen, I think it is, or thirteen it's, and fourteen. Yeah, thirteen and fourteen. <laughs> December sixth, they have Seattle in in Minnesota, but then, like you said, they hit the road. Uh, four days later to play Arizona on the 10th on Thursday night football. Yep. And uh, the AFC West, I mean, Denver, we don't know how Peyton Manning's going to come back this year. I mean, like I said earlier, this is everybody's in the best shape of their life portion of the season. But right, yeah. Manning had it pretty rough at the end of last year, so I don't know how he's going to come back. Uh, Kansas City's a talented team. San Diego, I don't know if any of the uh, – Potential movement to Los Angeles thing is going to have an effect on them. Uh, all the uh, alleged Philip Rivers trade talks around draft time. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Raiders. I mean, generally, we could just look at them and say, well, they're the Raiders. They're not any good. But they're they're building something in Oakland, too. It's going to be interesting to see. So, you know, I, I think the Vikings have enough talent 
despite the tougher schedule, to still pull out 10 wins, if, if only because I think they're going to do significantly better in the division than 1-5. and five. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be pretty interesting, although I don't think those two divisions are quite as daunting as they might have been uh, at the end of last season. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, you start off the year at San Francisco on Monday Night Football, and then mm-hmm. you have uh, you have Detroit and San Diego at home, and mm-hmm. then you go to Mile High at Denver, one of the toughest places in the NFL to win a game mm-hmm. as a, a road team. Then you have that early bye week, week five. Oh, I hate the early bye week. It's, yeah. it's one of the worst things. I'd, I'd rather have the bye toward the middle or toward the end of the year because – yeah, week five is week five is too early for the bye. Yeah, the Bears got week seven this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the the NFL's either been putting them. It's it was nine dead center in the middle last year. Nine last year, eighth year. The two previous years before that, we were number mm-hmm. eight. This year, they give us a little bit earlier at week seven, but still close enough to the middle of the season. I don't think anybody really minds it. Um, but you know. It's it's um it's a six in one hand, half a dozen in the other type thing as far mm-hmm. as the schedule is concerned. Almost aside from the Monday nighter to start the season and that Thursday night football game at the end, the Vikings are Sunday Sunday afternoon Sunday you know playing, mm-hmm. um you know every week as a fan, you know or especially a, a guy in your situation. Oh yeah, it's a seven hour time difference uh, between you mm-hmm. and and them kicking off playing at seven o'clock. Yes. Sure beats the heck of them playing at uh, nine or ten o'clock, uh, you know, kicking off on those on those days. Oh yeah, yeah. No- noon, noon Central Time on Sunday is football time. Yes. That's the way it's been for most of my life. Uh, obviously, when I first started watching football, there wasn't Sunday night and Thursday night, and there was still Monday night football, but otherwise it was Sunday afternoon, and that's uh, that's what we all had. Right. So I mean, you know, it's it's always one of those things. Like you never want to see your team have a losing season but more than likely that losing season means they're not going to see too much national tv and you're going to no. get you're going to get those uh, those sunday games and uh you know not have to make arrangements to be able to catch them on monday night or thursday night or or anything like that or have to stay up late to catch the game on sunday night uh, mm-hmm. or anything like that so those those night games what are you are you getting up early or staying up late for monday night because it's going to be at San Francisco, that's going to be the second half of that Monday night football schedule. So that's going to be like a 9.30 kickoff time here in the States. Yeah, so that's uh, that's going to be, I believe it's about 4.30 in the morning wow. over here on yeah 4.30 a.m. Tuesday morning. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be pulling an all-nighter wow. for that one and just crash yeah. After it's uh, after it's over with, I think. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting choice. Do I do I go to bed early or do I just stay up? That's that is a tough call because uh, yeah, the four thirty in the morning. That's that's nothing to mess around with. That's for sure. Which is still better than it was when I was in Korea because even the Sunday noon Central Time games when I was over in Korea would kick off at three a.m. Monday morning. Oh, so wow. I. So I would try to catch a couple hours of sleep before the game started, and then I'd watch the game. And then by the time the game was over, it was time to shower and drag myself into work. So, uh, yeah, Monday Monday mornings over in Korea were, were pretty long. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I managed to survive. Right. So that, that actually you know introduces another question. How are you watching the games over there? Um, well, I subscribe to the uh, the NFL Game Pass, okay, which I guess is basically a Sunday ticket for folks that live outside of the United States, right? And yeah, uh, yeah I've got it uh, either on my iPad or on my laptop, and I'm watching. Usually, I have the game on my iPad on the uh, couch next to me because I'm using the uh, the laptop to do all the blogging and keeping track of everything on there. So yeah, it's it's a dual screen sort of thing. Nice. As far as that goes, and I mean, are there any bars out there that show the games or anything like uh, that? There's not really a whole lot of NFL. I'm, I think the uh, the enlisted club on base shows football games and that sort of thing. But I, I just think it's always better to to watch from home. Sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah, because I was talking to uh, Sander Phillips from Bucks Nation, mm-hmm. um, and he's in the Netherlands. Yes. Which is in the neighborhood, is it not? 
It's a few hours drive from here, but it's relatively okay. close. Yeah. Right. And as far as like time zones and time difference and everything, it's about I, the same, isn't it? I believe it's either the same or they're an hour ahead of us, but I want to say that it's the same. Okay. Because I was, uh, my interview with him last week uh, was started at 9 a.m. here. I think it was maybe three or four in the Netherlands yeah. when we were talking. So that's, uh, that sounds about the same. But uh, yeah, yeah, he said that he does the, does the the pass and the you know it's usually usually watching at home on the on the laptop or the you know the iPad or whatever to uh, mm-hmm. to catch the games. Uh, yep. That's I didn't think about you know Korea. That's like what a fifteen hour time difference. Something like that, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. That's crazy. Okay, mm-hmm. so looking at the rest of the uh, the schedule here, it's um, you know it, it's it's interesting. You have the the home games. You have Kansas City. Which is good because Kansas City is very tough to beat in Arrowhead. Um, uh-huh. You know, the, you play the Bears week eight and week fifteen, so you yep. you know kind of get them in the middle and at the end of the season. Last year, I don't think we played each other till for the first time till like week twelve or something. Yeah, it was eleven or twelve, year. and then we played uh, week seventeen. Yeah, right. Yeah, played week seven. Don't remind me of week seventeen. <laughs> I mean, not not just because we lost, but just overall, I just. The team was the team was just done at that point. The Bears looked like they they had checked out. Yeah. In that one, unfortunately. That, uh, I mean, I I know we we make fun with the uh, the meme the the Jay Cutler doesn't care meme. He he honest to God looked like he didn't care that afternoon. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. The 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 last five or six games, you know, if if you if you had been listening to my show uh, last year, the running theme of those last five or six shows was. You know, with the preview episode, because I do two shows a week, the preview episode was like, I just want them to come out and look like they care. Sure. I want them to come out and show some effort like, they, like they're happy to be there. And then the review show was, they didn't look like they cared. They basically looked like they were there simply because the NFL said they had to be. And, <laughs> you know, they showed up, they put the uniform on, they played the game, and then they went home uh, to collect their paychecks. That's what it looked like. And that's when you knew that the that the Bears were done, and that uh, Tressman was on his uh, was on his way out. So, you know. But speaking of of coaches, you know, Mike Zimmer, year one, he comes in, not a winning season, but at least one where towards as the season went along, you're seeing the kind of progress you want to see from a from a first year coach. What was the you know consensus among Viking fans? Number one, when he got hired, and number two, as the season progressed. I think. Zimmer is a guy that the Vikings and the Vikings fans have embraced from the beginning. Uh, after a few years of Leslie Frazier, every Leslie Frazier press conference was the same. And God bless him. He might have been the, the nicest human being alive. But, you know, at, after every game, question would come and say, well, we did some good things. We're going to have to go back and look at the tape. Every question, we got to go back and look at the tape. And, you know, Zimmer, on the other hand, he, people ask him questions, and I don't know if, he, if it's not because or if it's because he's not the most polished guy out there, but you know he he just says what he thinks. He's not going to BS anybody. He's not going to try to double talk anybody. And like I said, after a few years of Leslie Frazier and Brad Childers and that sort of thing, uh, it's really refreshing as a Vikings fan to uh, to see that kind of thing. And you know he he's fiery. He holds his players accountable. And you know uh, Zimmer is the guy who had to wait forever to get his opportunity and now that he's got it I'm, I'm quite happy he's gotten it with us yeah yeah I, I think he was long overdue to finally get a shot to to run his own team so uh i was uh personally not exactly thrilled to hear that he was <laughs> going to be doing it in my division so uh mm-hmm. you know i, I do think it, that, that that good days are ahead with with zimmer as uh coach and, and and in the end it was probably a good thing that he had to wait as long as he did because he was more than ready uh when he finally got his uh his opportunity. So, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, that he showed a lot in the off season with, with the whole Adrian Peterson thing and how that was handled with, uh, you know, you're playing for us or you're not playing anywhere kind of thing. And it just looks like that was kind of the come to Jesus moment for Peterson that, you know, obviously they're not messing around. So either I'm, I'm going to play football for the Vikings or I'm not playing at all, uh, this season. And, uh, you know, after paying him not to play, Last year, it was uh, uh-huh. interesting to see you guys hold firm uh, in that uh, in that situation. And you know, I mentioned 
Frazier and Frazier had a reputation as being one of those quote unquote players coaches because all the players loved him. All the players were, and the players all appear to love Zimmer too, as far as everything I can tell at this point, but it's for completely different reasons for why they love Leslie Frazier because, you know, sometimes players just need a coach. that's going to get on them and demand more from them. And I think that Zimmer's done that. And, I think, you know, some of the veterans and mostly the younger guys, because there's been quite a bit of turnover just in the short time that Zimmer's been coach, uh, have really embraced what uh, what Zimmer's brought to the team. Right. So you guys, uh, you guys ready to get out of that stadium into that new one? I am so looking forward to that new stadium. I mean, TCF has been nice. It's been fun to watch uh, outdoor Vikings football again because, you know, like I said, I'm young enough to the point where I missed the entire uh, Metropolitan Stadium era. Uh, the first year I actually started following and cheering for the Vikings on a regular basis was either, I think it was their third year in the uh, Metrodome, because, yeah, the Dome opened in 82, and I started really following the team in 84. So up until this last season, pretty much every home game the, the Vikings had played had been at the Metrodome, yeah. you know, with the exception of the, the freakiness that happened in 2010, where it was a traveling road show for the last uh four or five weeks of the season after the roof caved in at the Metrodome. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, we are so looking forward to this new stadium because, you know, from every, everything we've seen as far as artist renderings, all the, the stuff that the Wilfs are putting into it, it it's going to be a pretty amazing venue, I think. And uh, it's, it's going to be really something to behold. Yeah. Every, every year, uh, a group of friends and I try make an effort to actually travel to a Bears game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've been to St. Louis, they've been to Dallas, um, Carolina, you know, places like that. And, uh, I, you know, I said immediately when I saw the first rendering or the first drawing of what that new stadium supposed to look like, I said, 2016, we're going to Minnesota because it's going to be amazing. Yeah. That place just from the drawing looks absolutely, uh, amazing. And, and having been, uh, my best friend is, is a huge Colts fan, season ticket holder for them. Having been to, to Lucas Oil, which mm-hmm. is by far the most amazing stadium I've been to uh, in, in my limited opportunities to go to an NFL game, I'm looking forward to seeing what this Viking stadium is going to look like. And, and Lucas Oil, from my understanding, is one of the primary inspirations. I'm pretty sure the, uh, the same firm that designed uh, Lucas Oil Stadium are the ones that designed the, uh, the Vikings new stadium, which is now going to be U.S. Bank Stadium. So I, I think the same team was involved in both, but obviously the Vikings stadium is just going to have those uh, those weird angles and the sloping roof for the snow, and yeah, it's going to be pretty outstanding, I think. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful design, um, and and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Lucas Oil um, is you know from the outside, it doesn't really look that impressive. No, I, I've driven I've driven past it. Yeah. It looks kind of looks kind of like a barn. From right, the outside, it's from the actually, outs, but... from the outer structure, it's that red brick. There's, it's not really impressive, but what they did was they they dug the stadium into the ground, mm-hmm. so that when you walk in, you're actually you know you're in the the, the second tier of the of the stadium, and from wow. the inside, it is an absolutely it looks so huge from mm-hmm. the inside. It's an absolutely impressive facility. So I am looking forward to seeing what that. Uh, what, with U.S. Bank Stadium? Yeah, U- U.S. Bank Stadium. The uh, the naming rights announcement just came out, uh, I believe it was a week or so ago. And and it's already been incredibly beneficial to the Twin Cities area because, you know, they've already, they're already getting a, a, a Super Bowl to host there. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a Final Four there. They've put in, uh, they put in bids to host the college football national championship game. And my personal favorite, it sounds like uh, WrestleMania is coming ah. to the, uh, to the new Viking Stadium here I at was, some point in the uh, the near I was, future. I was just gonna say, now you get a WrestleMania and you've got all the you've got all the big ones. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, uh, um, yeah, that was uh, that was the one I was thinking. And uh, yeah, they got to be up there for sure as far yeah. as contender for a to be up there. Well, I I know the next one I believe is going to be a Jerry World down in Dallas, but yeah. uh, beyond that one, I don't think they've announced any more of them. It's oh. not like the Super Bowl where they plan it like three or four years ahead of time. So. Uh, not not this next spring, but probably the spring after that. It wouldn't surprise me to see uh, 
WrestleMania at the new Viking Stadium. Yeah, WrestleMania 33, I think it's going to be. I, I think it would be 33, yeah, something like that, yeah. It's 32 in Dallas next year, so yeah. Mm-hmm. But yep. um, yeah, so I mean, uh, that's uh, that's one of those things that I was uh, that I am looking forward to as far as 2016 is concerned is uh, rallying the troops to come in uh, <laughs> you know, make some noise in that new stadium in, in, uh, in 2016. So, all right, uh, Chris, we're going to wrap things uh, up here, but I, I ask all of my, my guests this question because, you know, the, the, the great thing about having um, guys like yourself on, on the show is that you've got it bad for your team like I've got it bad for mine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we're on the same level as far as sharing that passion uh, for our mm-hmm. football teams. You know, being, you know, pretty much a lifelong fan, and everything, what what kind of ranks up there as your number one memory uh, with the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, actually, I, I just did a story on this for the site. Actually, as part of a uh, part of a uh, series I was doing, and uh, you know, obviously, the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. Nobody's ever seen them win a Super Bowl. Uh, the Vikings specialize in kicking us in the teeth once every so often. But uh, the the biggest and the best one that uh, I can think of was the. Uh, the playoffs in uh, 2005, uh, when the uh, the Vikings went into Lambeau, and you know, basically, like I said in the story, nobody gave the Vikings a chance to do anything. Uh, the the week before that, the game at Washington was the uh, the game where Randy Moss uh, left the sidelines right. early when they were losing to the Redskins, and Matt Burke was yelling at him in the locker room, and you know, the the Packers beat the Vikings that year twice by three points on last second field goals. And despite that, you know, like I said in the story, the announcers acted like the Packers won both of those games by 30 or 40 points. And, you know, just basically dismissed the Vikings having any chance to do anything in that game and had basically already penciled the Packers into the next round of the playoffs. And, you know, the, the Vikings went into Lambeau and they put a pretty good beat down on that team. And, you know, everybody was just shocked and I was shocked, but, uh, you know that that's right up there. Uh, the uh, the '87 playoff run was mm. just insane. Yeah. Uh, the 2009 playoff run was pretty crazy until the uh, they stopped playing with about uh, two minutes left in the NFC Championship game. I don't remember anything that happened after that. I'm not even sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, th- there's there's been a lot of great memories. I mean, obviously, when the uh, when the first championship comes around, that's obviously going to be the biggest one. But uh, right. Since since we don't have that yet, unfortunately, that that's kind of what I have to go with. I think. Right. So real quick, you alluded to it there. What were those What were those two five years like for you guys? It it was really strange because you know I you spend so long. I don't want to say hating a guy because hate requires effort. I don't want to expend. Right. But, uh, but you know, cheering against a guy and just saying God, I, that guy just beats us all the time and you, know, you go from that to seeing the guy walk out there in your uniform and cheering for him and whatever and there were some moments that year like the uh, the touchdown pass to greg lewis to beat the uh, the niners right and oh wow and it, it was just such a weird roller coaster season with uh with Favre there and then the the 2010 season was basically a disaster from start to finish which is uh yeah, it, it was it was rough to watch, and you know that that last game he played against the Bears, where Corey Wooten almost killed him, I yeah. guess, and they had to they had to help him off the field. It was uh, it was just rough to watch that entire season, pretty much. Yeah, but that was that that was uh, Corey Wooten's entire career, right there. Was uh, you know he he became the answer to a trivia question somewhere down the line. You know who yeah, he, who sacked uh, Brett Favre on the last play of his NFL career? Yeah, um, and. And he, he was with us last year, and yes. I, I think he might have – he was either our worst or second worst uh, graded uh, pro football-focused player on the entire defense, which for the for the limited number of snaps he got was awfully impressive. <laughs> uh, he had flashes with us, but, uh, you know, I guess that's, yeah. why, that's why you guys gave him a chance. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously uh, not much uh, – not enough to uh, – I don't know if anybody's got him now. Actually, I I think he actually continued his NFC North tour. I think he's in Detroit. Okay, all right. I think, I think the Lions did sign him up not long well, that, after he uh, he didn't re-sign with Minnesota. Right, that would make sense given that uh, they're familiar with him and uh, mm-hmm. and so on. So, 
Yep. I guess that makes sense. So, all right, Chris, I think that uh, will wrap us up for now. Now, we play each other, like we said before, week eight and week mm-hmm. number 15. So uh, yep. November 1st and December 20th around that time. And what I'd like mm-hmm. to do, um, see if we can work it out time-wise, is to uh, have you on the, the preview episode before the game to uh, kind of compare notes on where our teams are at and what we're looking forward to into this particular uh matchup so we'll see what we can do about getting our schedules arranged so we can have you back mm-hmm. all right that sounds good larry i'm looking forward to it all right well thanks so much uh for being on the show uh chris good luck to your uh vikings because uh, despite their you know one of my bears rivals i've actually always liked the vikings uh so thank you very much uh, yeah my, my sister-in-law is a big uh bears fan you know ah. despite my despite my efforts to uh convert her but uh <laughs> yeah she'll uh you know, she'll probably appreciate this. Right. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been fun. And, you know, like I said, I'm already looking forward to the, uh, the preview show when the time comes. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for being on the show, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Larry. Have a good one. So that was my conversation with Chris Gates. Uh, I did enjoy that. And uh, hopefully you guys... Hopefully we didn't lose you guys with our with our t- stadium tangent uh, or anything. I am really looking forward to seeing that facility up and running. The uh, The artist renderings of that place were absolutely fantastic. So, uh, I mean, obviously the NFL agrees. Possibly WrestleMania agrees. Uh, the WWE and, uh, the, you know, they got a Final Four. They've got WrestleMania coming. They got a Super Bowl uh, in a couple of years up there in uh, Minnesota. So, uh, you know. I think it's a consensus that this is going to be one heck of a facility once it's finally up and running. So the one point that I didn't get to mention was, uh, you know, as as a as a fan uh, of football, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the Vikings in their new stadium. So it looks like they're playing in a pro stadium as opposed to, you know, they're playing at TCF Bank Stadium where the the Gophers, the Minnesota of uh, University of Minnesota plays. And it, it looks like a college stadium to me you know what i mean not that that's a bad thing but i just you know the vikings look out of place playing there is all i'm saying so get them back in in a pro stadium uh in the new metrodome if you will u.s bank stadium uh next year in in 2016 so and you know if this team um you know shapes up to uh what they're what they're uh shaping up to be for lack of a better term um you know they could be entering this new stadium at just the right time because uh, uh, if no- 2015, if nothing else, I think is going to be a growth year uh, for the Vikings. You know, last year, the, the 14, 2014 was all about growing pains. This year is going to be that year of actual growth. And 2016, there could be discussion that the Vikings are, are you know, are going to contend with the Packers, uh, you know, possibly to steal the division from them in 2016 if they're if they stay on the path that they're on the progress is being made uh and like i said during the the conversation if there was a team in the division that you were actually worried about it would be the minnesota vikings because the packers are the packers like we said uh in the in the interview the lions you can never really depend on the lions because they they have they'll have a season like they had in 2011 they're 11 and 5 they're the best offense in football they make the playoffs and so on and then they go 2012 2013 where they're basically like well it's the same old vikings 5 and 11 6 and 10 you know and then they have a year like they had last year 11 and 5 blowing up the league uh heading to the playoffs almost made it to the nfc championship game uh or, you know, almost won that game in Dallas, which uh, would have been interesting to see them play the Packers. But, uh, you know, you can't really depend on them. And unfortunately for us Bear fans, you can't really depend on the Bears anyway because it's been a long time since they've been that team of consistency from year in to year out. They had those two really solid years in 05 and 06 with Lovey, and then they had that kind of anomaly year in 2010 you know going to the nfc championship game and such but since then it's been you know more mediocrity than prosperity for us as uh as bear fans so in 2016 i really think the vikings could be something to behold if they stay on the path that they're on right now so all right that is going to do it for part two 
of this NFC North preview with Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman. Check him out on uh, SB Nation. It's DailyNorseman.com uh, for the uh, for the for the Daily Norseman uh, on SB Nation. You can also uh, follow him on on Twitter, and it is you know Daily Norseman on on Twitter uh, as well. That's where you'll be able to find Chris Gates uh, on Twitter uh, as well. So. Um, We'll be back uh, in a few days. Um, let's see. Today is Wednesday, so I'm recording the show Wednesday. I'll have it edited by tonight. And because the Evan Western show for the Green Bay Packers is posting tonight on Wednesday, this show for Chris Gates and the Minnesota Vikings will probably be up Friday or Saturday um, for the world uh, to see. Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit will be our third uh, show for the nfc north we posted sometime early uh next week and then we'll be able to dive into the chicago bears and i am still deciding on what i want to do with that episode so hopefully it'll be something special something fun talking about our beloved uh chicago Bears. so um that's going to do it for this episode come back for part three for, for, with pride of detroit Jeremy Reisman from SBNation.com. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.